Welcome, everyone, to Ticket to Fly. This is your host, Tom Kelly, along with ski jumping commentator Peter Graves, and happy to bring you this news from the world of ski jumping. In headlines over the last few weeks, five straight wins by a Norwegian jumper. We'll talk more about that. And after the holidays, we're heading into what is clearly the biggest event of the year, this Four Hills Tournament stretching across Germany and Austria. Joining me today, longtime ski jumping commentator Peter Graves. And Peter, I don't think we've seen a streak quite like this from a Norwegian before. Well, it's been an awfully long time, Tom, uh, if it's been the case. But uh, clearly the man owning the mountain right now and for the last five straight World Cups is the 24-year-old Norwegian wonderkind. That's Halvor uh, Egnar Granerud. And it's been interesting uh, hearing his comments at press conferences, Tom, because it, even to him, his streak is well, it wasn't expected particularly. And he has said repeatedly that he's not exactly sure why he is so much on his game. But I've often likened uh, ski jumping to golf in a way. When you when you get into that zone and you have that, uh, that perfect swing and you're in a flow state, uh, it's hard to deny the reality of that. And right now, uh, Granarud is uh, got to go in as one of the absolute favorites. But again, just 24 years old right now on top of the world. You know, in the early weekends of the World Cup Tour, which began last month, we were watching developments with COVID, and it clearly has impacted the field on occasions. Stefan Kraft and a number of other Austrians have missed competitions, but essentially, Granerud, he he's outlasted them, and he has really put on a show. So now we're looking ahead. And after Engelberg last week in Switzerland, we're now heading to the most prestigious part of the season, the Four Hills Tournament. Yeah, it's hard to put into words, uh, although we're going to attempt to with this program, what the Four Hills means. It is big with a capital B, Tom, transcending sport in a way that events like the Kentucky Derby or the Boston Marathon or the Super Bowl do, for for example. Uh, and uh, we, we got to talk as we look onto this thing about uh, the Germans. They come in with a strong team. Remember, two events will be held in Germany in Oberstdorf and Garmisch. Marcus Eisenbeekler, he has opened the season very, very well. He's been close to the top through most of the events. He is a fighter. He's passionate, as we'll find out later in the program. And, of course, uh, the Oberstdorf native Carl Geiger, who will be highly, highly motivated, Tom. And then, of course, the Austrians never to be outdone uh, with Haybach, uh, Stefan Kraft coming back from his bout with COVID, and uh, Daniel Huber as well. You know, a bit on Carl Geiger, a winner at the World Championship in ski flying in Planitia just two weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely right. And then, you know, this is a bookie's uh, nightmare if you're betting on ski jumping. It's so tough because then you have in the mix, Tom, well, you've got the Polish jumpers like three-time Olympic champion Camille Stoke. You've got Sila. Japan has Kobayashi and more. Uh, Slovenia with Lanasek and more. Uh, the Norwegian team, very, very strong. Not only buoyed by the great results of Granarud, but you've got the mustachioed 
Robert Johansson, and you've got Marius Linvik as well. So uh, it is going to be uh, quite a fight out there. Uh, uh, I, I also like the jumping of Kobayashi of Japan. And then you just never know in the history of the event on these one-day events, anything can happen. You know, we're also uh, wanting to point out that uh, there'll be two Canadians in the field led by Mackenzie Boyd-Close of Calgary, who does a lot of his training with the USANS program, the United States program based in Slovenia. Casey Larson from the Norgi Ski Club in Illinois, expected to take part in the Four Hills. After the Continental Cup in Engelberg, Switzerland on Sunday and Monday, uh, we may have other Americans in the field too, but Casey Larson is a definite lock. He'll be competing for the United States. Let's focus now on the Springer Tournay itself, the Four Hills Tournament, uh, Fierschanson Tournay. It begins next week, New Year's Eve in Oberstdorf. A little bit of the heritage of this storied tradition that dates all the way back to 1953. Yeah, and in the pantheon of sport, the winners have been among the biggest names ever. And you, Tom, you also have to take into account, as I'll mention a little bit of the history, that all of these places are located in in the uh, the German sites in the heart of these Alpine villages in Bavaria and the Austrian sites in the beautiful Tyrol. Uh, it is a magical, magical setting. But take you back to 1953. That was the first year. This year will be the 69th. The champion is, of course, the one that gets the most points over the four events. Uh, interesting enough, in the history of the event, Hannevald uh, Sven, uh, in the 50th edition of the Four Hills, became the first uh, athlete to win all four events. In 2017, Camille Stoke became the second man in history to win all four. They're also called the Grand Slam. And then in, uh, recently in 2019, Kobayashi of Japan became the third person, third person in history to win all of four events. And as we uh, also look on, uh, these are also World Cup events that will be scored as such. I want to take you back to other historical notes. Finnish legend Yanni Ahonen is the only athlete to have won the tournée five times. Going back a little further in time to the 80s and 90s, German jumper Jens Weisflug was the first jumper to reach four wins. And then further back in time, you and I will remember these names. Helmut Recknagel and Bjorn Workula uh, have the next best record winning three titles each. These are the biggest names in the sport it is Ski Jumping Super Bowl. We are going to see the very best on display over the next couple of weeks in the Four Hills Tournament. For this interview, Peter talked with Ingo Jensen, the media director of the Four Hills Tournament, a good friend from Germany. Let's take a listen and learn more about the Four Hills Tournament. Hello, everybody. What a joy to have you with us today, as we are going to be talking about something very special. Coming up this week, whether you call it the Fierschanzi Tournee or the Four Hills, we are talking about an event upcoming in ski jumping that really transcends sport. There are few of those in the sports world. But today, we're going to talk to a man who is intimately involved and our old friend, the media director of the Four Hills Tournament, who has done that job since 2006, it is uh, Ingo Jensen. Ingo, certainly hope you had a wonderful uh, Christmas holiday. 
Oh, yeah. The holiday will uh, start and will be very busy for me. And uh, yeah, because um, it was really, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of things yeah. to prepare and a little time um, to, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, relax with the family, but not too much. All right. Well, uh, it is a delight to have you. I know how busy you are. So at the beginning, we talked about uh, this has been going on for this will be the 69th Four Hills every year since 1953 in the pantheon of sport. That is a very, very long tradition. And I know when I was doing ski jumping commentary for ESPN or Outdoor Life Network or NBC Universal. That when I did the Four Hills, particularly when we arrived at the first event in Oberstdorf, the hair on my arms was standing up straight. I was so engaged by the power of it all. So, Ingo, I guess the first question is, how? what is it about the Four Hills that is so captivating and has been for so many years? Well, Peter, to be honest, uh, I cannot tell you in a few uh, sentences. I think we can talk about for hours <laughs> about this. But uh, it's as you're completely right. It's really special, and really everybody who is involved in this um, is uh, looking forward year by year. Um, and yeah, when we start and go there, I think it's um, it's really the tradition. It's of course sports business is the, the the big title to achieve because it's really an outstanding event um, for I think the, most of the jumpers um, the four heels title even is a little bit more than um, being a world champion or um, Olympic champion because it's not um, to perform at one day you show your best flights. But on eight competition days, um, so with qualification and um, competition, and then it's really a deserved title. So very, very important to the athletes. And, and many times I have heard in all ski disciplines, people say, you know, I, honestly, as hard as it is to believe, I would rather win the overall World Cup title in Alpine or Nordic or whatever as to win an Olympic gold medal, because it, it shows more about consistencies. Uh, on that one day of an Olympic Games, when you have Big Hill, it's one day, that's all. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, true. And um, one of the best examples is uh, Simon Amman from Switzerland. You know, he's mm -hmm. um, Olympic champion for, I think, four times Olympic champion, but uh, he never won the Four Hills tournament. And he was so close um, in his best years, let's say. Um, I think from 2008 to 2010, two years um, in a row, he was leading the World Cup um, before the Four Hills tournament. And he was one of the biggest favorites, of course. And yeah, he lost twice. Uh, he didn't manage to um, to win the four heels, and this is a big success, which is still missing for him. Indeed, yeah, very interesting. So, uh, with uh, for the good folks out there who are listening, with a few exceptions, uh, uh, this has been uh, the four heels tournament nearly universally at Oberstdorf 
at Garmisch, Partenkirchen in Germany, Edsbruck and Bischofshofen in Austria. This year, Four Hills runs between December 28th and January 6th. So, Ingo, I having been to the Four Hills, and again, talking about that emotion of the crowd and that bringing the best out in the athletes, and that is the crowds that we have known in past years. We won't have them this year, and we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, the effect of COVID. But on a normal year, take me inside two events in Germany, two events in Austria. It brings out the best of these two neighboring countries. They're all fighting for the glory. What is it like because you're a native-born German, to be like in the crowd on New Year's Day at Garmisch and cheering for, you know, whether it was Martin Schmidt or Hanewald or, or, or now Eisenbeekler, maybe others. What is it like to be there in the crowd organically? It's unbelievable. It's amazing. You must, uh, yeah, you... You must live that once, and uh, it's so it's really unbelievable. You stay there, and thousands of um, spectators with you in the stadium, and giving the flags up, cheering, and uh, especially in Oberstdorf, um, there is um, yeah a common rule for the spectators when the jumper goes in the in run and starts to jump. Um, in the in round, everybody says, Ooh, then he jumps in, yes, until, I remember that. Until he's landing, and then everybody is screaming, and uh, it's, it's really, really unbelievable emotion and really great, great atmosphere. And all four of these venues have such history. Uh, Many of them have been Olympic jumps. Of course. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, world championships will be in Oberstdorf this year. But another great memory for me clearly was being in Ensbruck at the Bergiesel jump. Because here you have a, a complex that's been used in quite a few Olympic games. And uh, they get enormous crowds there in Austria. Yeah, that's true. And Innsbruck, um, to be honest, this uh, Easel is my favorite hill of all of four of them, um, because um, yeah, the atmosphere is um, you, you feel much closer to the um, to the athletes, and um, so it's just uh, the surrounding, and you you feel so close, and of course. Um, the Austrians are also crazy uh, about ski jumping. And um, so they are um, also having the flags and making sound and scream. And I don't know uh, how to explain it much more. But uh, it's really, really um, great. And, of course, uh, in the past, um, the Innsbruck um, stage of the Four Hills was really often the game changer um so which means um some athletes have been in the lead after Oberstdorf and Garmisch-Partenkirchen and then Berg Isel came and everything changed and uh, so you can really lose the title uh, in uh, in Innsbruck 
Very interesting. Yeah, with only one more hill to go, Bishop Sophie. Of course, yes. Yeah, indeed. So we're getting this sense of of this uh, mystical sort of tradition. And and for me, and I have a our producer Tom Kelly has had a, a similar experience. We talked a lot about this. We were both little boys watching the first Olympics that we remember on television, black and white television, 1960, Squaw Valley Olympics, and watching skiing became a love affair, which turned into not only a business, but a passion as well. Uh, how big is the role of television in uh, the Four Hills? Because uh, at the FIST meetings I've gone to, Ingo, people say, yes, Germany is the indeed the biggest winter sport market in the world. So it's very, very important. So tell me a little bit about the role between television and, and the tournament. Oh, yeah. This um, good uh, question, um, Peter. Um, this really changed over the years, of course, and now television is so important for us um, because um, everybody knows television brings the money um, to um, the federations and so also to the organizers. And we have such a big interest, um, not only in Germany, but of course the German market is very important, as you already said, um, but really internationally. Um, we have a big, big audience all over the world. And, um, of course, television is um, very important for the Four Hills. I think one time it was really um, that we had a delay and delay in Oberstdorf and Oberstdorf. And so in Germany, you have one, one big broadcast, which is every day the same this is, um, it cannot be moved. Um, and it is um, the Tagesschau at eight o'clock in the evening, the news uh, broadcast. And um, I think um, it was once that we had such a delay due to snow and waitings, and there was not this uh, wind rule and, and no compensation. And I think the Tagesschau started a few minutes later because the Four Hills event wasn't done. So um, we really, you really see how important we are for television and television is for us. And a, a question because you, you brought up the wind rule. Interesting to me. You know, uh, as, uh, as a commentator, it is sometimes tough to explain. Uh, it, it, in fact, uh, the goal is to make it more fair for everybody. But uh, but do you think, uh, do, do we risk getting to a point where uh, things are, are too sophisticated or too complex for for the viewer at home to understand? Uh, not really, because I, I, I think it really worked out fine. Everybody uh, really had these concerns, as you had uh, before, and they said, well, do, uh, do the people understand it, how it will work and something like that? But um, now you have, um, it, for the spectators in the stadium and also for the visitors on the screens and the television, we have this uh, best-to-beat line, uh, which is directly linked to the gate numbers, to the wind um, circumstances and anything like that. So that you really can see... Um, how far the athlete has to go to get in the lead. And I think that's a great point. And, and it reminds me a little bit like biathlon, 
when you're watching on television. I mean, the producers, the FIS, or the IBU have done a really good job keeping their disciplines brought closer to the fans, you know, through graphics. That, to me, that's yeah. that's hugely important. And, and we have the technology now to do that. Yeah. And um, to be honest, I think it's the only way um, to, to save um, the competitions because the other option would be, and it was in the past and really was annoying, that you, um, if the circumstances, the wind increased uh, or decreased, um, you have to go one gate up or one gate down. But the, then you really had to restart the whole run of a competition. So, which means uh, it, it was a time uh, problem. It was delays, delays. And though a lot of people didn't like to uh, watch the competitions because they said, well, uh, it takes not one hour it takes two hours and so nobody could rely on any plannings and something like that and so this really um changed and improved a lot and i think it is really a really big benchmark yeah thank you very much i think that's a, a very interesting uh uh, concept. So you do in, in your own life, as we get to know you a little more, you, you have a kind of a sports a PR agency. What other uh, properties are you involved with or what other projects are you doing? Uh, for sports, to be honest, the Four Hills um, is, um, well, let's say the, the only one which I'm still involved with. Um, but I have done some of uh, some interesting projects in the past. I've been in uh, Torino Games 2006 um, as the venue press manager for the Bracciolato Ski Jump venue, uh, for instance. And um, the rest I'm doing, um, yes, I run my own PR agency, but we really do these um, branch communications for normal customer uh, clients um, mm-hmm. in their branches. And so sports, uh, yes, if there would be some more offers, well, we could talk about that. But for uh, <laughs> this is just a great uh, project and uh, I, I really love it uh, to be there every year. And uh, one can tell. So t- take my word for it, folks. In- Ingo is very, very good at what he does. And not only that, having uh, w- uh, been the recipient of uh, his graciousness uh, and being in the press rooms a few years ago, he does a, a marvelous job. Uh, he is uh, very patient. He's uh, thorough. He's uh, factual. And uh, in all the press rooms, and I know you work with other uh, subordinate press people at uh, organizing committees there, but uh, y- you really do a wonderful job, Ingo. It's not an easy <laughs> task always to take all these journalists and, and make them happy, right? Yes, you are right, <laughs> Peter. So thank you very much for the compliment. Uh, I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Well, I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it true. So let me ask you, I've got another question here as we get to know. So we know the Four Hills, and maybe in a sentence or two, and I'll lead you off, give me something about each hill, okay? That that, uh, Or you could take three sentences or four. I don't really <laughs> care. But, okay, let's start at the beginning. What makes Oberstdorf special? Ah, Oberstdorf um, is that it's the hill you don't win the Four Hills tournament, but you already can lose it. Um, which means bad um, a bad performance in Oberstdorf. There is no way for you to win the four hills. And though a good start is really really 
important. The hill is great. It's um, prepared uh, or has been prepared for the championships um, 2005. Um, and now, of course, maybe some changes for um, the upcoming um, event. So it's quite modern. It's um, great um, prepared. And um, the atmosphere is fantastic. Okay, so we go uh, from there uh, to the next hill, an Olympic hill as well. And of course, it falls over the New Year period. Uh, Garmisch Partenkirchen, a beautiful, quintessential sort of alpine town in, in Bavaria. Yeah, Garmisch Partenkirchen. Um, the, the jumping hill is bigger um, than Oberstdorf. Um, and um, the, the in run. And takeoff was completely rebuilt. I think it was 2008, 2009. I'm not sure. Um, with this new futuristic uh, in-run construction. And um, because it was the old, old um, jumping hill. Um, yeah, we had the Olympics in 1936, um, you remember? Um, Absolutely. So, I wasn't there, yeah. but I remember it. <laughs> but we all know. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's uh, the, the stadium is bigger. It's not so close together like in Oberstdorf. Um, but also, uh, yeah, and it's a... Uh, it's a hill for the Norwegians, let's say. It's a traditional uh, New Year's um, jump. is very important for Norwegians, as um, in 1936, I think it was um, Berger Root um, who won the Olympics um, for Norway. And so, for I think the most important uh, victory in a four years for the Norwegian would be uh, winning in Garmisch-Partenkirchen. Um, so very let's important. Let's go on. Let's go on to the third of the four hills, Ensbruck, on the fabled Bergiesel Hill, uh, right on the uh, the Autobahn, uh, which is uh, has uh, it's not so new now, but uh, they did a beautiful new oh yes uh, top uh, building now, the warming building designed by a famous architect. But tell me about Ensbruck. Oh, yeah. As I said before, um, Innsbruck is the tricky one, let's say, um, because um, it's really sometimes really difficult conditions. The wind is really a, has been a problem in the past. And we have, a, I think Innsbruck was one of the first jumping hills um, who had a wind net installation um, many years ago. And so... Um, I think you really had to be lucky with the conditions in Innsbruck to have it work out for the title um, in the Four Hills tournament. And as you said, um, the hill construction um, from uh, Saar Hadid um, was really uh, is really impressive. And um, it's every time when you go from Germany in the holidays to uh, Italy, um, you pass by uh, the back easel ski jump and it's always a pleasure to see the, the hill absolutely on the brenner autobahn and yes. then finally we go down to the last event uh perhaps uh, maybe the smallest town uh that we go to I, i'm not 100 percent sure but it's got to be close the final event at bishop sofen uh, I'm not sure either, <laughs> so uh, we uh, have to uh, think about that. Check that out. <laughs> yes, of course. Oh well, <laughs> um, Bischofshofen is now well, it's the the final hill, and that's uh, that there is everything. Uh, it's a lot of tension 
it's a big mood. It's also, um, which is quite important, Oberstdorf and Bischofshofen are evening events. That's not night events, but it's it's dark. It's uh, floodlight, and uh, it's really a special atmosphere there. Um, sound is amazing, and also um, the crowd in Bischofshofen is amazing. And uh, I think, uh, yeah. It's just for the athletes just enjoying these final jumps of the four hills every year. It's uh, it's great, and especially if you can uh, go for the title, of course. And of course, as the title means so much in terms of personal prestige, but also money uh, for uh, the athletes who are winning and what they can get uh, from sponsors and the like. So. Let's talk about the pressure of Four Hills. And in that regard, Ingo, I'd love to ask you what maybe a story or something from your past. You don't need to go back to the days of Bergerud <laughs> or Sepradl. Uh, but uh, I, I, I ask, have you witnessed something that took your breath away? There was so much passion or emotion involved. Uh, well, it was um, the very beginning of my uh, career as the press manager, uh, not in the overall forties, but in Opusdorf, uh, which started in uh, 1999. So it's quite uh, some some years ago, and it was the big era of Martin Schmidt and Sven Hannawald in Germany. And um, I remember it was my first time being the local press chief in Opusdorf. And um, so it was quite new for me and everything. And um, Martin Schmidt won um, the Oberstdorf event. Unfortunately, he didn't win the whole, uh, whole tournament in his uh, life um, once. So, uh, But he was the winner of uh, Oberstdorf competition and um, the um, commentator of um, Austrian um, broadcasting, ORF, he wanted to do an interview in a mixed zone. And... I just had to push myself against the gates to reject the fans <laughs> who wanted to enter the commentary position. And it was so hard. It was the, the crowd was screaming. Everybody was having some uh, screens. Martin Schmidt, uh, I want to have a baby with you and something like that. So it was unbelievable. And I really had to, I really had a hard job to help the guys from the television to do their interviews. <laughs> this was really crazy. Uh, oh, I, I can just see it. I mean, it is, it is so, so big. And now as we go along, and that's a wonderful story, uh, let's start focusing in uh, on the present now. Uh, we've talked about the hills in terms of its history, uh, the pressure that evokes to win there. And this year you're going up against perhaps, well, all of us in sport uh, and in fact in the world, uh, one of our uh, greatest foes ever, and that has been COVID-19. This year, no spectators, uh, and and that is such a pity because it is the spectators, the the people that come in that that make such an environment that's so compelling. But tell me a little bit about how you guys are coping with uh, with COVID and its impact on the Fischanzi Tournée. No, it has uh, unfortunately a, a big, big impact. Um, I'm, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I'm not preparing anything about. Um, 
press things or media things. I'm just preparing a lot of things about uh, COVID, how journalists can join, how is the test procedure um, to, in order to get accreditation. And so every day there are some new regulations, restrictions, um, even by the authorities. Um, you know, we have in Bavaria is in, in between Germany leading against uh, in, in the COVID fight, let's say. Um, and so our government um, changes and make more restrictions. I have to uh, withdraw some already given accreditations to journalists because we had to reduce the number of accredited people in the stadiums. And uh, now we have the problem that Austria changed um, some regulations and have more stricter uh, restrictions um, for uh, the entry into Austria. Uh, which is a problem, of course, for everybody who joins the whole Four Hills and coming from Garmisch-Partenkirchen to Innsbruck. And so whew, it's really hard <laughs> to, to, to see, uh, have every detail uh, on uh, your task to do the right things and to communicate this. Um, it's really, really hard. And what is really a biggest pity, as you already said, Peter, is that we don't have any spectators because the spectators made the Four Hills tournament big. And uh, so we are really, really sad. And um, especially here in Oberstdorf, uh, the opening event, um, we planned um, to have at least um, 2,500 spectators in the stadium, which was only 10% of the normal crowd um, yeah. in normal years. Um, but then the next um, restrictions came and any more and any more. And then um, the local organizing committee had to say, sorry, we, we cannot manage to have um, spectators there. So it's really, really um, strange situation, but not only for us, as you said, for all uh, or for everybody in, in sports business. And uh, yeah, we know that we are not the important, uh, the most important thing in the world. Um, and you really have to be aware of this. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, that's, that's true indeed. Um, uh, and, and uh, the other uh, reality is of course, without the spectators, organizing committees don't have that revenue stream anymore. I mean, people aren't yes. able to buy tickets to come in. Yeah, of course. And that's really a big, um, big problem. And um, the, every LOC will lose some money, of course, um, because they, they, the, the spectators are their budget, let's say. And the rest is done by the um, federations and anything like that. So really, um, the organizers lose some really uh, big income for them and where they have just to... Um, <clears throat> money which is used for uh, having the youth uh, department growing up training conditions something like that so it's really really uh, bad for them um, but the most important thing is for us to have a concept to uh, um, yeah to at least carry out for his tournament um, we don't uh, lose this big event 
All right, we're talking to Ingo Jensen, the media director of the Four Hills, who is very busy right now getting ready on this Christmas week for the first tournament in Oberstdorf. So, uh, Ingo, now let's talk uh, about some of the favorites today uh, because it's been an interesting season. Uh, and and I, uh, all the jumpers fascinate me because they all have great stories. But it's been very interesting watching watching uh, Halvor Ignar Grunrud, uh because uh, he has been so remarkably consistent and uh, starting his uh, streak uh, this year basically uh, from zero. The, the 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 kind of things that uh, he 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 says afterwards uh, is uh, that. He's and I kind of like this. He he says, uh, you know, I I'm really not totally sure uh, how I'm doing this. It's just happened. And in fact, he's been quoted as saying, "I don't even think about it for one second. So, uh, uh, as we talk about some of the favorites, Halvor certainly of Norway amongst them. Of course, he is. So he has uh, won uh, five uh, individual titles in the World Cup right now in a row. Um, I think this, I'm not sure, but uh, as far as I can remember, that never happened before uh, in the history of the Four Hills tournament. Um, so, of course, he's the big, big favorite and he's the one to beat uh, if you want to um, get the title in, at the Four Hills. Um, but uh, just some information or from history, because um, I just uh, looked back, and when you look back at the past twelve years, um, it was only or it only happened four times that the favorite, the World Cup leader who came to the Four Hills tournament, won the Four Hills tournament. Uh, eight times it was uh, not him, but all the others. Um, so um, I think his attitude is. Good, because you don't have to think so much about what you are doing. You just uh, let it happen or have to let it happen. And that's what um, Sven Hannawald said in the past when he won this um, fantastic, legendary first Grand Slam t title, uh, which means four individual winnings at the Forest Tournament um, in a row. And he said, well, I just do my things and I, I don't think about too much. And so Granerud, uh, I think he has just the same attitude. Um, but I think it has to be this. And you must make sure that you not start thinking after having one or two victories at the four hills. Um, and then if you start thinking, maybe that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, let's go on now to... Uh to uh, somebody who, uh, of course, uh, all Germans are, are hoping for, and that is Marcus Eisenbichler, uh, who can be uh, one of the primary opponents for uh, Norway. And incidentally, Norway's had, a, as a team, pretty strong season now. So there will be a lot of pressure on Eisenbichler, even without spectators there. Uh, how are you assessing uh, his uh, winter thus far and how he might do in Oberstdorf? I think he... Um, he is more relaxing this year than he was in the past. Um, so he's, I think he's really changing his attitude or has changed his attitude. And I think it's quite positive. Um, in the past, when there was a bad jump, he was really angry and uh, didn't want to talk to anybody and just um, 
moved away and something like that. And now he said, okay, well, shit happens and maybe next choice, uh, next chance is coming up uh, right uh, afterwards. Though I think, uh, yeah, he showed a great performance. He, of course, he's um, a world champion. Um, he won in Innsbruck um, this, um, the, the world championship and um, was on the podium and ski flying. So I think he's in a good, um, a good form and uh, in a relaxing mood. So. And uh, one of the things about Marcus, and uh, you know exactly how he feels right after the jump. I mean, he's he's very yes. in, uh, <laughs> like enthusiastic. He's 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 so passionate. You can understand if he feels great, he yells at the camera, or <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I really like that about him. Uh, so nobody's counting Marcus Eisenbeekler out. And then uh, let me ask a, a little bit about Carl Geiger. Uh, New ski flying uh, world champion and uh, mm-hmm. recently had a child. He's from Oberstdorf. I think I'm right on this, that he had uh, a COVID-19 infection earlier, but said it was like the flu to him. Uh, and uh, so I'm glad he's feeling better. So what about Geiger? He, he's on form. Yeah, we are all uh, here, especially in Oberstdorf, crossing fingers that he's um, coming back from his quarantine uh, for uh, he has right now because he was um, tested positive of COVID. And so hopefully um, the health authorities um, give their green light to uh, let him start um, in Oberstdorf. It would be uh, such a pity uh, for him to, to lose the start of the four-race tournament. So everybody really cross uh, the fingers. And uh, I think it should work out. Um, and mentally, uh, he's in a big, big uh, shape. And, uh, well, he's, as you said, he his father um, now. He's the world, uh, ski flying world championship, uh, world champion. And, um, yeah, he has nothing to lose and everything to win, maybe. Okay, well said. And then, really, probably uh, Poland's uh, Kamil Stok, uh, also a guy who could be one of the top contenders. Uh, he is a three-time Olympic champion, won the World Cup title a couple of times, 33 years old, but uh, he always has the ability to be right up there for Poland. Yes, of course, because, um, and you just forgot, he already won the Four Hills twice, uh, which means in um, 16, 17 and 17, 18, and he was um, also the uh, winning the, the Grand Slam, uh, so all four um, titles in one year or in one season. Um, so, of course, Kamil is um, always a big favorite, and I think he's... Um, He's just increasing and uh, improving um, this year. Um, the first uh, results haven't been so great, um, but then um, three times in the top 10 um, in, in the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, I really think um, he's someone you have to have in mind. Of course, there are many more that could figure in, but uh, with Japan, you have uh, Kobayashi, who uh, won all four hills yes. uh, uh, before. Uh, you have uh, his teammate uh, Sato from Japan. Uh, you can never overlook them as a country. No, 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 because um, you're really right. 
um, especially um, after uh, Ryo Kobayashi's victory um, and the, his uh, Grand Slam title. Um, Japan is back because um, I think it was many, many years ago, um, Katsuyoshi Funaki in 1998 or 97 or something like that, who was the, the last Japanese winner of the Four Hills. And now, um, all that, not only um, at, with the victory of um, Ryoyo, but also the whole team from Japan improved in the past years. Um, they, and they, I think you really have to count on them. And um, yeah, so it's the four hills. It's uh, I think it's strange because you can talk about uh, so many favorites, and then there is someone you didn't think about and winning it, which was last year uh, David Kubatsky. Uh, mm-hmm. He was 15th in the World rank, World Cup ranking uh, and um, the stop before the Four Hills in Engelberg, he was, I think, 45th or 22nd in these uh, two competitions and nobody really thought that he would come and, and win the Four Hills tournament, but he did it. Yeah, interesting. And what about Slovenia? Ah, the Slovenians... Um, Yes, um, you really have to think about them. They maybe I don't know whether all the people uh, know, but uh, they had the change of the trainer um, in directly in the World Championships in ski flying in Planica, and so there's a new guy there. And in the um, in already in Engelberg, they had really some some good results, and um, yeah, maybe we have a Slovenian winner. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Anybody else's name you want to mention, uh, Ingo? Oh, yeah. We have um, Robert Johansson from Norway. He's the, mm-hmm. He didn't start so good in this season right now, he, uh, but he's one of the um, important guys. Um, and, yeah, all the others. Um, yeah, maybe we have to talk about the Austrians. Um, yes, we, we of course. We didn't have, uh, well, we didn't talk about Austrian so far because, yeah, you know, um, Stefan Kraft um, just uh, didn't take part in the last competitions. And but I'm, re- I think I'm really impressed by um, Michael Heiberg, um, especially his performance at the ski flying in um, in Planica, and he showed some good jumps, and he's. Uh, he loves um, especially um, the bigger hills such as Bischofshofen. Um, it's also uh, it's always an, an Austrian hill, let's say, and they love to win at home. Uh, and yeah, we can we will see. Um, Daniel Huber from Austria, he's ninth in the World Cup so far. Um, we have Ansel Lanishek from Slovenia, as you said. Piotr Schüler from Poland, uh, which is fourth in the overall World Cup, and. Um, yeah, there are some um, some interesting um, guys. Marius Lindvik, um, second last year and now uh, 13th in the World Cup. And um, we have one oldie from Germany, Pius Paschke. <laughs> He's a great jumper. He's over 30 years old now, but, um, well, I think he will do a great job, but um, he's not a big favorite for me. But, you know, um, there are so many predictions uh um, in the past, and so many wrong predictions. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's uh, fascinating uh, to talk to you and hear your thoughts on it, recognizing that many people could come up to win. The 
the uh, top group is, is so talented. Oh, uh, you know, uh, it, it it's on this side of the pond too. It, it's so important to get these results. And uh, and speaking of people who have jumped uh, really really well uh, is uh, Mackenzie Boyd Close, uh, the Canadian who does most of his training with the uh, the U.S. team, uh, bases a lot of his time in Slovenia. Uh, this guy has, uh, I don't think it's been a surprise to him, but he's had some pretty good results this season. Oh, yeah, really. Um, he's really um, in good shape. And um, he finished now sixth at, um, in Engelberg at the second competition and started with uh, rank number nine um, in, in the World Cup season. And um, he's um, number 19 in the World Cup ranking right now. So why not him being um, in the top 10 of the four his tournament? I think it would be a big, big success um, for Canada. <laughs> oh, it, it would be. And for that USA Nordic program that he trains with, course, too. Yes. He's been a, a, a big, big plus with that. Ah, what a delight, Ingo, to talk to you uh, and, and made all, all the more sweet because I know how busy you are and that you made time for us amidst this very busy day. I can't thank you enough. No, not for this. It was a big, big pleasure um, to talk to you and uh, cross my fingers and I hope to see you one time again uh, back at the Forest Tournament. You're hardly invited. Thank you so very, very much. You can count on it, my friend. And <laughs> so we also wish you a happy new year. Uh, and uh, we thank Ingo Jensen, uh, the media director of the Four Hills, for his insight, uh, his interest in the past and the history, and, and how he holds this, uh, this event that transcends uh, sport. Because uh, in, in for many ways, it is the Boston Marathon, the Kentucky Derby, if you will, uh, or the Super Bowl of ski jumping thank you ingo thank you very much peter and greetings to tom all right and you've been listening to ingo jensen on another exclusive edition of ticket to fly i'm peter graves thanks so very much for joining us and happy new year and like all of us i can't wait to see the four hills unfold and who will win so long everyone